Pope and the Third Time is Charm. This is Redeeming the Time Brothers podcast, and I want to talk to you about the anchor of your souls, how to have an anchor in the midst of the adversity that blows through your life. And we all have those storms that blow through through our life, those times that we find ourselves nearly capsized by the high winds and strong waves of the circumstances and people that are in our lives. And so in Redeeming the Time Brothers podcast, we are here going through 30 life lessons uh, that were introduced by Dr. Charles Stanley out of Atlanta over a lifetime of study in the Bible. He was a really real student of the Word of God, and one of the things that he found was there are basic life lessons that are in that permeate the Bible, and they're mentioned again and again, and he believed that believers needed to become familiar with them. We'd already talked about intimacy with God out of Psalms chapter 64. God designed us for an intimate, abiding relationship with Him, starting in Genesis chapter 3, and He meant for through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to continue in, in today's time, but also ultimately in heaven in Revelation, we will be reintroduced in the most intimate way possible with God. We also talked about obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so trusting and obeying. Today we want to talk about the Word of God as an immovable anchor in the midst of the adversities and storms of your life. You have something that you can turn to and hold on to in the Word of God. Now, I mentioned before in my earlier attempt to make this is that Star Trek used to have uh, some sort of running themes that flowed through the shows. One, if you beam down to one of these uh, foreign alien planets that were there, you better be sure that you're wearing the same color of shirt as everybody else because if you're wearing that other colored shirt, you're going to die that day. You weren't coming back to the ship and then they'd uh, James T. Kirk would have to figure something out about it. They came down with almost always two pieces of, of uh, technology on them. One was a phaser, always set to stun because they didn't want to kill the aliens unnecessarily, I guess. And then the other was a tricorder device, which was like a handheld computer. It was a medical diagnostic tool. It, it was... It allowed them to communicate to the ship, and it was sort of a a one-size-fits-all thing that does everything. I want you to know that if you have the Bible, the Word of God, you've got your own high-tech device that you should never leave home without. I, I never leave home without my Bible. Let me read to you the storm passage, and then we'll sort of break this down. It's out of Hebrews chapter 6, and it's in verse... Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that, entereth into that within the veil. And we have an anchor, and that anchor for us is the Word of God. The Word of God provides a stabilization in our life. It's a reality. When the Bible is talking about an anchor, it's talking about something of substance, something that's real. We live in times of vanity and emptiness. Uh, Ecclesiastes talked about how all of life is vanity. Vanity is vanity of vanity. All is vanity, saith the preacher. There's just a bunch of emptiness around us. But an anchor is something of substance that can hold us when we're drifting around in this world, especially being blown around by the storms of life. Now, what causes the storms that would cause us to need an anchor? They're generated basically four ways. Number one, a storm comes that is self-generated. In other words, if I sow the wind, I'm going to reap the whirlwind, the Bible says in the Old Testament. That means when I do dumb stuff, life's going life's to come back and bite me. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
Whatever you and I sow, we will reap what we sow. We will reap later than we sow. We will reap more than we sow. We will reap the same kind that we sow. We will indeed make our bed and lie in it. Uh, you, we, we, will, we will suffer the consequences of our choices. So we need to be certain that we make wise choices in life because otherwise we can have self-generated storms. You've met people and it's easier to see in other people than it is in yourself. And you look at them and you go, boy, that was kind of dumb. You just created a real problem for yourself. But the reality is we all create real problems for ourselves by our sinful choices and actions and our selfish choices and actions. And so some of the storms that are generated in my life, I made. I can't really blame the devil or anybody else. I did it. But the second kind of storm that's generated in your life is a societally generated storm. In other words, sometimes I'm experiencing the consequences of somebody else's disobedience to God, somebody else's bad choices, and I'm experiencing the collateral damage of the, the winds and waves that they made by the bad stuff they did, and I'm collateral damage. So, so that's somebody else's storm, somebody else made it. Then Satan sometimes generates storms in opposition to the believer. He wants to stop a believer, and he wants to crush a believer. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy and he wants to execute that MO in their life. And so that's another source of storm that comes. The final source of storm is sometimes God allows a storm in your life to, to draw you back to him, stop you from going a bad direction to get your attention so that you can then come back into right relationship with him and, and live in a deep, intimate, connected relationship with him. So these storms come and they're very real. God uses them to catch our attention. It, no matter how the storm was generated, God wants to use the storm to catch your attention. To say, hey, wake up. It's high time that you wake out of a sleep. It's time for you to wake up and make some changes in your life. And then also use it, use it as a process of purifying us. So that a storm causes me to look into my life and see if there's anything that's in my life that shouldn't be there. And if it is, I need to repent of it, get rid of it, jettison, throw over the ballast that shouldn't be in my life in the first place. And so it provides a purifying process. Another purpose of the storm is God uses it to cause us to surrender to him. The, the very best victory you can gain in life starts with a surrender, and it's a surrender to God. It's an unconditional surrender to God's will for your life so that you can then take correct steps of growth and, and uh, victory in your life. But victory starts with surrender and surrendering to God and His will. And then it conforms us to the image of His Son. God uses the storms to show us areas in our life that are not Christ-like areas, that are not mature areas, and then we're allowed to change into Christ-likeness as a result of our right response to the storm. It also equips us to serve Him. Uh, sometimes when you go through a hard time, you know better how to comfort somebody else that's going through that bad time. So I have lost both of my parents to death. I lost them when, I, you know, really, uh, they died young, and so I know how to bring comfort to somebody that has also lost their parents. And so maybe you've been through a very serious uh, storm in your life. One of the things God can use that storm for is to help somebody else down the road where you can recycle the comfort that God gave you. Now, <clears throat> so what makes the Bible an anchor in our lives? Dr. Stanley suggests multiple things. Number one, it's a record of God's unfolding revelation of His dealings with us. It tells us how God does what he does, why God does what he does, what God is trying to accomplish, what his purpose is. It serves as a self-revelation of God to us so that we can get to know him better. And certainly that's one of the, 
the things that the storms were sent to accomplish is to help us know God better. And the Bible becomes a lens through which we can see God with crystal clarity. It's a revelation of himself. We do see God in creation, in, in the complexity of the creation, the creativity of the creation and all that. We understand some basic outline of God, but the direct revelation of God through the word shows us what God is like at a profound and a deep level. And the tragedy of modern American Christianity is we try to create a God in our own image instead of responding to the God of the Bible and relating to the God of the Bible in the ways that he demanded. God is not Burger King. The, the old Burger King commercial was, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. You remember that one. And the idea was you can make your Whopper any way you wanted your Whopper. Well, God, God doesn't do stuff your way. God does stuff his way. And he insists that you relate to him on the basis of his revealed word so that you can relate properly to him. So most importantly, we know who God is because of how Jesus lives. So in John 14, Jesus says that you see the Father because you see him. And when you see Jesus clearly, then you understand so much more about what God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are like because you see what Jesus is like. And the Word of God teaches you about the life of Christ. There are four specific books of the Bible that record the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The three, first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptics or the scene together because they provide a kind of a topical, chronological uh, a telling of the life of Christ with a special emphasis to reach certain people groups. But the Gospel of John has the seven signs and seven sayings of Jesus to show us what Jesus was like and to help us to listen in to what he taught. And so the Bible allows me to see Jesus clearly, which then allows me to see God more clearly. So the Bible becomes, the Bible is inerrant, it's infallible, and it's inerrant so that I know that the revelation that I have of God is something that is trustworthy. I don't have to look at it and second guess it or hope that it's kind of right or maybe in the ballpark. But instead, if I've got the Bible, I've got the absolute, infallible, settled forever word of God in heaven. It will always be seed of the sower, bread the eater, always accomplishing the purposes whereunto God sent it. Now, it serves a couple of basic purposes in our life in the midst of the storm. Number one is it provides a diagnostic tool. It lets us see those areas in our life where there is sin. James 1 talks about how the Word of God is a mirror. And when we look into it, we see what manner of men we are, and then we make changes based on what we see. So it provides kind of a diagnostic tool. And then, then it also provides a, a tool that brings about transformation. Uh, so that uh, the psalmist would say, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereunto according to thy word? And then thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee, against God. So the Bible allows us to be delivered from sin by its diagnostic power and then by its transformative power. And that's one of the basic things that God wants out of the storm is at the end of the storm for us to be a much better person than we were at the beginning of the storm. Um, and now here's some ways that it is an anchor to us in the midst of the storm. Number one, it comforts us in the middle of heartache struggle. When you're in the hardest times of your life, could I suggest that you run to the Bible? Don't walk, run to the Bible. 
I never leave my house without a Bible. I, I, I almost always have a hard copy close to me. I always have multiple copies of it on my phone. I have the Bible with me everywhere. When I wait in a doctor's office, I'm going to spend some time studying the Word. Sometimes I'll, I'll do my memorization app. I'll run it in a doctor's office when I've got to wait anyway. And it's better than watching some stupid thing about Britney Spears, whoever the, the pop diva du jour is. And, and I can learn about the infinite God of the universe. And that's a much better use of my time, in my opinion. And so the Word of God comforts us in trial. I can't tell you how many... I can't tell you how many times I've gone to God in the midst of a crisis and found comfort and help from the pages of Scripture. When my very first adoption fell through, and I was just devastated. I mean, I had we had been a dozen years infertile. I was devastated, and God used uh, Psalms 42 and 43 to bring comfort to me where it, it talked about God being the, the hope of my countenance, that He was going to help me. And, and I drew help from that. And man, I, God dried my tears with those two chapters of the Bible. Uh, what passages can you think of over your life that God has used to bring comfort to you in the midst of trauma and drama? And, and it's brought a real comfort that healed your heart in a hurting time. And then also it's an anchor to us in that it reminds us of God's promises. Scripture assures us of the Lord's presence, power, and provision. And so whenever you're in a time of need in your life, the, the Word of God reminds you of times that God supernaturally provided for His people, whether it was providing manna that fell out of the sky for 40 years in the wilderness wanderings uh, for the Israelites as they were in between the slavery of Egypt and the promised land of Israel, God provided for them. Or whether it was protection, like God was the fourth man in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and he protected them from a fiery furnace, or with Daniel in a lion's den, or any, any, any number of examples. You can think of Peter in the New Testament when he's drowning, he shoots his hand up to Jesus. And, and we have those stories recorded so that when you and I are in a time when I need protection, provision, or the presence of God, I can be assured, based on the revelation of God, that that's available to me. Because God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't somehow love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego more than he loves me. He doesn't love you know Elijah more than he loves me. And so he's going to do his kingdom work. Uh, and then it's a compass for our life. It gives us direction. We're not, we're not to lean in our own understanding, Proverbs 3 says, but we're to really trust God, acknowledge God, and, and let Him direct our path. And the Word is the mechanism by which He directs our path. It teaches us true north, and then we can begin to direct our lives based on it. It teaches us how the Father works. Reading about the saints and the Word of God helps us to be able to make wise decisions in our life. It enables us to have God's viewpoint by studying how, how He uses adversity in the lives of biblical characters and how they came out better at the end of it than they were at the beginning of it as a result of a right response to God. So what do you got to do? You need to read the Bible. If <laughs> you don't read it, it's not going to be any good. You, you can't be like the kid that's uh, sleeping on his science book hoping he's going to get an A tomorrow because osmosis allowed the science information to go through the process of a semi-permeable membrane into his head. you got to actually read the Bible. You need to open it up and read it. Don't read about the Bible. Read the Bible. Become intimately familiar with it. One of the things that uh, G. Campbell Morgan used to do is he said that he, before he preached on a book of the Bible, he would always read it through 10 times before he ever preached on it. 
Just recently, I read out loud a hundred times through the book of 1 Thessalonians over the course of a little over a hundred days because I missed some, and then I had to go back and do it again uh, to, to catch up. But uh, So it took me about 120 days, but in about 120 days, I, I, I read through the book of 1 Thessalonians a hundred times. How committed are you to reading the Bible, to getting it into you, and then meditate on it? The Bible is replete with examples of individuals who meditated, maybe the chief of whom would be David, where he says he meditates in the night watches. When he's awake at night, when you wake up at night, maybe rather than thinking about the fear and torment of what you're afraid of the next day, maybe if you meditated on the Word of God, he'd allow you to find an ease in your soul and a rest in your sleep, and you'd be able to drift off to sleep. But meditate on it in the morning before you start your day. Meditate on it at the end of the day before you go to sleep. Meditate on it throughout the day. I like to have... Uh, pockets of time that I meditate on the concepts that God is trying to teach me about. And then believe what it says. If you allow yourself to believe the word of God, it can transform your current Christian experience. God's promises will be available to you as you apply your belief in the Bible facts, the Bible promises, God begins to transform your experience and do miraculous things on your behalf. And then apply it to your own life first. One of the things I noticed when I was a pastor is people were very generous with the Word of God. They were always willing to pass it to the person next to them in the pew or behind them in the pew, but they didn't want to take it themselves. You got to apply the Bible to yourself first. That's the first and foremost application. That's why God gives it to you, not so that you'll somehow shove it on somebody else without living it out. The danger is that we traffic in unlived truths, Chuck Swindoll says, and he's absolutely right. Then be willing to obey it. We need to do what it says. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to live happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If you'll do those things, you'll have an anchor amidst the adversities and storms that come your way. We live in a wicked and godless age. We need to be grounded in the Bible. Let's pray and, and uh, just pray that this will be effective in accomplishing a basic life lesson for you. Dear Lord God, I again thank you for this day. Thank you for these believers. I pray that this will go out, Lord. I, Facebook has been battling me somehow, not letting these videos go through properly. And I pray that you'd allow it to be processed properly so that people could be blessed by it and strengthened and come to fall in love with your word. And that it would be that anchor, that touchstone in the midst of adversity to bring them to that place of wholeness and wellness. Thank you that we do have a Bible. We don't have to depend on man's opinion or the public polls or what the politicians say or the scientists say or anybody else. But instead, we can trust what your word says. It's settled forever in heaven. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. It's inerrant. Thank you, God, for it. Bless these. Help them to have a good day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Thank you.